Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sandra Lange Podcast. I am Joe, and with me is... Zach. Jamie. And Dana. Yes, and today we are talking about Mistborn, The Well of Ascension, chapters 41 and 42, wherein Ellen finally brasses up and becomes a man. <laughs> uh, yeah. he, he talks over his troubles with with Sazed and Tindwill, and uh, he finally decides that he needs to do something. So he gets up his courage and musters his men that are uh, loyal to him to help try to protect the Ska from the deadly winter that is coming. Not like Game of Thrones, but it is a deadly winter that is coming. And uh, then Not like Game of goes... Thrones that you know of. Right, exactly. And then he uh, he travels to the heart of the Kolos camp and does some pretty badass stuff, but also kind of acts a fool. So that is where we are today. So hold on to something. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders tell us, keepers of the bottom, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we scribble and sing and dig for the animals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. All that died, 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 we keep it in our hands. Yeah, we got uh, we got Ellen going into the Coloss camp, which I believe Jamie called like well ahead of time that he would have to have a sit down with the third leader of the armies so that was impressive what did you guys think of these two chapters this week these chapters i think with the exception of the sazed marsh portion i think these have been my favorite two chapters in the book so far mm. they're all pretty much told from ellen's perspective and we finally get to see him really just taking action as opposed to politicking so i really really like these chapters every piece of it I just thought Ellen made great moves, and uh, it's kind of a, you know, as as much as he's developed in this story so far, it's kind of a surprise still in in these chapters to kind of see what he's doing. Also, we got a little tiny tidbit of, of Sazed and Tinwill studies, which is, you know, whetting my appetite for mm. um, hopefully what's to come, so I really, really enjoyed these chapters. Interesting. Yeah, it I didn't even occur to me that they really are almost entirely from Ellen's perspective, probably because Vin is uh, incapacitated at the moment. And, and that's it. Like Vin is not in these chapters at all, which is a bit of a, that was a bit of a shock to the system. I got to the end of the chapter and it's like, oh, the main character of the book was not here. <laughs> but I, I I agree. Like it's nice to see Ellen just pulling himself together and um and going out taking action. This really does come down to when when he says he's going to do something, he does it. Like he said, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a king anymore, but I'm still going to do the best thing for my people. Mm-hmm. And so. He's he's done that. No one asked him to do it, and he put himself at great risk to do so. So I'm gaining a lot of respect for Ellen across these chapters and the, and the last few that we've done. And uh, yeah, his uh, conclusion to the 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 Kolos camp <laughs> when when he just fucking murders one of them, and the others <laughs> are looking at him, and he just goes, "He ate my horse." I'm like, "Oh man, you are fucking killing it, sir." Literally killed it. Yep. Which I was was kind of a shock to me. I'm like, I I can't believe you just survived that, dude. That was impressive. Uh, I mean, yeah, like he's been in combat before and he's been fairly useless at it, and now he just yeah. takes down like a fucking troll. <laughs> right. I think a little bit of luck involved there, but yes, a very awesome. Oh, absolutely. I was just glad that he just picked on the small one. Like <laughs> at least at least it was the small one because that he wouldn't have survived. I think if it was a bigger one, but yeah, good on him. 
I think these were really, really great Ellen chapters. I was really pleased that we did get to see him uh, with Jasties and it didn't go as well, really, with like as it did with Set or Straff, mm. you know, having that interaction with them. Ellen could still walk away going, yeah, you know, okay, I think I've got them sussed. But with Jasties, he's just unhinged now. Um, he's been through some stuff, which is absolutely awful, and he might be controlling the Colos by paying them, but, yeah, he's very unpredictable, I think. And especially for it to uh, end in a fight was like, woo, <laughs> all right. <laughs> But yeah, no, like Elland, I'm really pleased that he's still he's still fighting for for what's good, and he's possibly got more scope to do to do right by people now that he's not the king. And I think I'm still pretty firm on he he will eventually get the throne back because he will be doing more to help the people now than even he was ever able to before. So he might not have the assembly's backing, but I think he'll have the people's backing, and mm. that will um I think that will go a long way in the long run. No. That makes sense. I mean, the assembly do get to pick the king, but who knows what's going to happen before the end of this, right? So. Yeah, well, they do, they do now, but you know, maybe the assembly will get wiped out or something, and then mm. the people will look to Ellen. I don't think it's going to be a good time by the time they get there, <laughs> but um, at least like Ellen's still doing right. It would have been super easy for him to just go, well, you don't want me as your king anymore. Um, right. And it's really nice that he's actually, he's he's doing what he has to do. And there are plenty of people out there who are willing to help him do it. So to, to keep everyone warm and, and alive, that's far more important than, than titles at this point to him, which is definitely what, what the people need in a, a leader. So yeah, yeah really good read. Yeah. Okay. I guess let's get into these two. Very, very short epigraph at the beginning of the uh, 41. It's just after that, I began to see other problems. All right. Informative. <laughs> yep. Not really a lot to work with there. Yeah. But Sazed and Tintwill are really getting, like, digging into, uh, I almost said the logbook. I keep, the word Alendi was in this paragraph, and I almost said logbook. I keep doing that. But the metal slab, the word wall, whatever we're calling it. And we get some interesting uh, little tidbits, I felt like, here, before even before they kind of get really into the matter that they're debating, but I don't, did, had we read before the part about Rashek being his nephew? I don't remember that coming no, up. No, that's news. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he personally recruits his nephew to go along with Elendi on his trip to try to lead him astray. And if all else fails to kill him at the last moment, which we know is pretty much what happened. Turns out nepotism doomed us all. Uh, I, I want to be a good uncle. My nephew needs a job. He's not really doing much at the moment. <laughs> My nephew is such an asshole that no one wants to hire him. So uh... yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, my nephew's an idiot. That's why I let him in my pool, but not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but that leads to the very interesting conversation. At least I, I think it's a super interesting conversation. Uh, that Tindwell's like, there's something wrong here. Like. Quan spends a really long time talking about how great a guy Elendi is. And then at the last minute, he's like worried that he's going to take the power for himself. So he sends someone to kill him and not just someone to kill him, but someone who we know is and that Quan knew is like a hot headed asshole. Basically, it doesn't seem to make sense on the face of it. And they don't really come to a conclusion about that. They're like, yeah, that's kind of weird. And then they take a break. So what did you guys think of this uh, discussion? It definitely made me think about it more, I guess, than I thought about it before. 
we we spent a lot of time reading that logbook going, this doesn't sound like the Lord Ruler. It really, you know, it doesn't sound like the person who would take over. And so obviously we we learned that it wasn't the Lord Ruler's mm-hmm. logbook. But are we also making assumptions that the logbook was written by Elendi or was that confirmed? Because I know that that's like they're talking about this doesn't sound like the guy that they're trying to stop. You know, was it written yeah. by someone else or was it written by Elendi? I think... Yeah, I think that Says has definitely concluded that it must be the same guy in this chapter, because mm. uh, maybe in the very beginning of this chapter, actually, where he's like, he's not named in the logbook, but it really seems like the, the same guy. Yeah. And I mean, I guess in the logbook, he is talking about things that he's had to do, which he didn't want to do. And and we were looking at it from a, you know, this guy's a tyrant and he never wanted to, to do that, but somehow he's ended up here. It's like, what what actually happened to him to make him feel like he had to do things that were awful as well? So there, there's mm. there's a piece of this puzzle that we are missing, like Says and Tinwell are completely right. But what exactly it is, it's really hard to to sort of pinpoint. Yeah, that's fair. There's 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 definitely stuff here that we're not being shown. But, of course, it's stuff that happened a thousand years ago. So that's how history works, I guess. Yeah. I guess it probably comes down to what actually happened at the well, what needed to happen there, like what Alendi was supposed to do, what Rashek did uh, instead after killing him, whether it was what was actually meant to happen or not. Because they talk about, mm. oh, you know, it doesn't, like, doesn't have to be any specific person because Rashek did it and he wasn't the hero. I'm like, well, did he actually do it right? Did he do something else? We don't know. Yeah. Um, like, we well, still have no idea what happened up there, and I think that's going to be the key to this all. Like, what happened at the well? If we're supposed to believe, though, the mist is the deepness, then the deepness wasn't defeated, and the hero of ages is supposed to defeat the the, the deepness. Defeat, not hold Push off. Back. Defeat. So we know that whatever the hero of ages was supposed to do, Rashak still didn't do. He did yeah. something, but it, it wasn't what is actually supposed to happen. And Quan's fears and thoughts are coming well before they actually made it to the Well of Ascension anyway. So something's right. happened even before they've gone off on that journey for, for Quan to go, oh, no, nah, this didn't work. Like, I always sort of thought it was on the well, – because when we were seeing it from Alendi's point of view, when they were up in the Terrace Mountains, that's when he started to figure out something was wrong. But Quan, like, set him up. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, Rashek's not actually taking you there at all. So yeah, something's happened before that. Yeah, and we're also – I feel like at this point, Tin Will and Sazed, and, and even us as the readers, we're also presupposing that everything that Quan is writing is the truth. That's that true. He is, yeah. That he yeah, is not point. coloring the story, especially now that we know that Rashek is his nephew. How easy would it have <laughs> been for for Rashek, who's now the Lord Ruler, to tell Quan, like, okay, you're going to write this, and Elendi's going to be the bad guy, and I'm going to be the person... You know, you're going to say Alendi was not who who was prophesized, prophesied, and I'm the person that took uh, control because that was what needed to be done because this person was a was a fake. You That's know? a good point. Like, Rashek could have just leaned on him. Yeah, because, I mean, and what do they say? Were... They say history is written by the winners, you know? So it's like yeah, Rashek's yeah. telling Quan to write this this out and and put it to stone and say and and that's maybe why Quan is grandstanding so much on a wall saying you know I was the one who said he was the 
who prophesied one. I'm the one who said all these things, and I've I I gained from it, and I realize now that what I did was wrong. And you know, he's he's kind of making it very clear to anyone reading this that he was wrong about Elendi. When maybe mm-hmm. that's not the case. Maybe Rorschach put those words in Quan's mouth. Now Quan and Elendi, I guess even from the logbook, had some kind of falling out, but we don't know for sure that everything Elendi's writing is the truth. Mm, that's a good point. You've blown my mind. <laughs> it might all be lies that we've been reading this whole time. No, seriously, well, I was fact- like, I have never considered this, but what everything you're saying makes sense. It's like, holy shit, like that that could be it. This is on the wall somewhere that is really important to the Inquisitors who are led by Rorschach. They're going to have something that's going to you know, effectively form their religion. If, if the Lord Ruler was meant to be this hero of ages and they wanted that sort of hidden, and as far as everyone else was concerned, he was the hero, you would want a story written to match that. That's true, but it uh, this, this story still doesn't quite match that. I mean, because what Quan says here and like like joe said we don't know that any of it is necessarily true or even correct like it could be true what quan actually thought but he could be wrong even a thousand years ago but Mm. what he says is that he doubts elendi will give up the power at the well of ascension for the greater good he says he's worried that elendi will take the power for himself instead of giving it up because apparently according to him you're supposed to give it up that's how it's supposed to work you're not supposed to be tempted by this power and keep it for yourself. And mm. it seems pretty clear from the lore rulers, the, the the story that he wrote of how this all worked and his whole religion, that Rashik did take the power. We know that he had godlike powers enough to create even new species at some point. And it says his religion says that he got the power of 12 ascension and used it to defeat the deepness, blah, blah, blah. So they hang together kind of in the Quan saying you're supposed to give it up it looks like Rashek took the power and even Rashek's religion says he took the power he just doesn't say that hey I wasn't supposed to do that yeah true it's, it's like that whole really bad villain thing it's like I said I would give the power back I never said when <laughs> but yeah it's true that we don't I mean yeah the, there's really maybe no way for us to know what actually happened because Alindy and Rashek were the last two up there and they are both dead now so at the well, who knows what uh, actually happened, unless we find like a book written by the Lord Ruler after the fact where he admits to all of the things that he did. This may be the closest that we get to. Uh... Yeah, and what you're saying actually, I think, puts a hole in my theory because I doubt Rashek would be like, yeah, right that Elendi should have given up the power because then that's going to look bad on him. So yeah, I, yeah, it's, it probably doesn't exactly fit with what Rashek would want the narrative to be, but who knows. Yeah, and even I mean, even if you're not 100 percent right, you are right that we don't know for a fact that everything he's saying is correct, regardless of whether it was actually you know Rashek making him write something or for some other reason. Maybe Quan has his own reasons to not be honest here, right? But anyway, this is a really interesting and kind of deep question that gets just left open here. And Sace is like, I don't know, maybe it's just because we see these events with the clarity of uh, them having already occurred. Which, yeah, you know, that's always a problem. Yep. And then they decide there's no way to, for us to judge at this point, really. Tindwell feels like she doesn't even have information. She can't judge a guy without knowing the context of his life, she says. She's used to biographies that tell you all about a guy. So they decide to take a break. No, I think uh, Sace wants to take a break, and, she, and or Tindwell wants – no, Sace wants to take a break, and Tindwell says no. 
Mm, yeah, I think you're right. Because it gets into a discussion about how they don't have time. Things are getting worse. She's just like, uh, I can feel that some bad stuff is going to go down here. And says like, no, yeah, you're right. Let's keep uh, looking for this context that we need. A storm is coming. We cut to Ellen, who is standing out, contemplating everything that's happened. Watching the Coloss and all that. And he gets in a discussion with Damu about now that you lost the election, you're still going to join the church and stuff. And Ellen's like, yeah, you know, I promised I was going to do this. So I promised you dedication and you shall have it. Again, he's just like, I've said I'm going to do something, so I'm going to do it. I have a, yeah, a lot of respect for people who follow through on shit like that. Even when Damu's just like, you, you don't have to, dude, it's okay. Honestly, when it comes to a religion, it's kind of like, if, if I'm a priest of this religion, I might be kind of like, I don't know, if you don't actually believe in our religion, I don't know that I necessarily want you going through with this just because you said you were going to, but I don't know. He, Damu doesn't actually say anything, so who knows what he's thinking. But And he's contemplating himself and, and Vin, and he's like, she seems different lately. Vin's not shallow. She can't be upset because I'm not king anymore. It must be something else. And he thinks about how she exploded that guy's head. And it was like, she was like so much better than me. How can she want to hang out with me? I couldn't even hold on to my throne. I wrote the very laws that deposed me, which, yeah, that's true. I don't see how that's necessarily like a, a slight on you, but okay. Once again, he does that. How could she love me? I'm like, oh my God, will you two just fucking talk to each other? <laughs> it's true. Right? Yeah. So this could all be solved. Half of this book. <laughs> is about them not not sure how they feel or how the other one feels very insecure about their mm-hmm. position in their relationship it's like just 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 talk it through guys <laughs> you're both feeling exactly the same way well it's very frustrating ellen knows that vin feels inadequate to to be his girlfriend partner however, however you want to phrase it because tinwill told her uh, told told ellen that so True. ellen knows or at least, you know, he, he he has been told, so he should recall. And I think that should be an impetus for him to, you know, talk it out. It's like, so, hey, Tinwell told me this. I'm feeling kind of the same way about you. What do we do? <laughs> so he addresses this a little bit in the annotations. And he says, uh, Ellen does, however, completely misunderstand Vin here. I know it's a bit of an overused plot device, the man misunderstanding the woman and the woman in turn misunderstanding the man. But the truth is we write about it so much because it's so true. When my wife and I were dating, we each had the toughest time deciding if the other was interested. We were both terrible at interpreting each other, even though we both wanted the same thing, though we managed to get through it and get married. So that's his what he says to address it here, which is fair. And at the same time, it's frustrating. I I agree that it's like just talk to each other, guys. But it's true. I guess if you're unsure and you're in this relationship and you're unsure the other person, the last thing you're going to do generally is sit down and be like, okay, let's have a discussion of this relationship and how we're both feeling about it. Like, who does Yeah, that? I guess. But uh, he goes to visit the uh, Terrace people? Terrace? Is it Terrace men when there's a woman? It's the the, the, the Terrace folk. Sazed Will. He goes to see Sazed Will. That's what Ellen does. There you go. I like Terrace folk. That sounds cool. Yeah. And there's just one note that I want to read on this from the annotations. It says, Ellen's relationship with Tinwill cracks me up. That is all. <laughs> so he comes like in. That. Yeah. They do have a great relationship. He comes in and she, uh, Tindwell's like, Ellen, what is your purpose in bothering us? You've already proven your incompetence quite soundly. And he's like, uh, excuse me, this is still my house. If you insult me again, you will find yourself ejected from the premises. And Says is like, wait, 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 wait. Let's not, uh, let's, let's not. <laughs> Says is my favorite worm from Futurama. Well, wait a minute, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Ellen's like, no, no, it's fine. 
She was just testing me to see if I had reverted back to my previous state of insultability. They really, they really <laughs> do have a, good, a fun relationship. But uh, he comes in to ask for advice about, like, basically what uh, he should do now. And he explains the situation where he could have lied and kept his throne at the end. And Tindwell's like, yeah, not surprised at all. She's not upset like we predicted. She's just like, no, by now this is the kind of stupid shit I expect from you, Ellen Venture. <laughs> I am neither overwhelmed nor underwhelmed. I'm just <laughs> whelmed. And uh, Says thinks that, no, he shouldn't have lied because that would have been inconsistent with, like, who he is. He's like, maybe, you know, for someone else, maybe they should have lied in that situation. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, a king should never lie or something like that. But for you, this would not have been right. And Tindall's like, really? But what if all his people die because he wasn't willing to tell one little lie? Says so is like, whatever, I, I don't want to argue. It, that's my opinion. I'm allowed to have an opinion. He's he's so non-confrontative. I don't know if it's his yeah, best you know, quality or his worst quality. That's uh, that's how you keep friends, man. You don't you don't you're not you don't get confrontational. Mm, well, I mean, that's what Tindwell is like. She's like, why don't you like stand up for yourself? Damn it. And they get into kind of a discussion about religion, and it's clear that Tindwell doesn't think a whole lot of uh, religion, even though it says it's like his whole bag. During this section, I'm just like, wait, did we miss the part where Ham came in and now they're having a, like a you know, <laughs> philosophical debate? <sighs> but Ellen ends with being like, well, okay, what about all those great leaders you study? What would they have done in my situation? And she's like, well, they wouldn't be in your situation because they wouldn't have been that stupid. <laughs> and she's like, Ellen's like, so that's it? It's all about the title then? And Tindall's like, what do you mean? And then what we're talking about? And that's enough for Ellen to remember this previous discussion they had and be like, no, it's not all about the title to himself. And he thanks them and uh, takes off. And they go back to studying. And that is the end of the chapter. Say so still calls him his majesty. Yep. Well, I guess I see at the part where Ellen goes back up to his room and gets his king clothes out. Minus the crown, which he gave to Penrod. But yeah, yeah. it's important. He's got to get his, his robes out. And we move into the second chapter, where the epigraph is Quan bragging about his photographic memory. He's like, I don't need to metal minds to memorize a sheet of words in an instant. All right. It's not, her, not helping your word count on your wall, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, man, he's grandstanding, basically. Like, you know me. I'm the guy. I'm the one they talk about when they talk about geniuses. So I'll be the first one to admit that I was dumb. I was wrong. You know, you may have an ulterior motive here. Well, I, I was wondering about that because he actually says that some of you may know of his failed memory. Who is he addressing? Who does he think is like he's carving this specifically for someone? Yeah, apparently. Like, I guess who? other terrorists. I, I mean, it's got to be other terrorists, right? Because he's like, look, you all heard like about my prophecy and I was this and I was that. But it wasn't meant to be. Oh, I was wrong. Yeah, so it's like he's setting setting up specifically for some people. So this opens the question of did those people ever get this metal sheet, or did Rushek steal it and stick it in the conventicle as soon as like he got back? Or like this is a good question. this this raises so many questions. Or is that exactly where it was meant to go? Mm-hmm. Could be. So I mean, you pers- know my fabled memory. The Inquisitors are sitting around just going, "Dude, I never met you." <laughs> well, we know now that you told us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like we just raises another question. <laughs> <laughs> presumably it's written in like terrace so i would assume it's probably for the terrace people oh that reminds me completely random thought i had the other day that i wanted to bring up at some point on the show but there is one bit of foreshadowing from in the previous book about the big twist at the end of that book 
that we never actually talked about and I wanted to touch on at some point because it was funny. So when they find this logbook, Says tells Vin that it's written in like the language of the Clenny people, which we know is where Lendi is from oh. because that's Quan tells us that's where Lendi is from. So it's in the language of the Clenny people. And during the same discussion, Vin like, how many languages do you know? And he's like, oh, I know like 700 languages. And then he notes that their current language, the one that they speak in in the Final Empire, is an offshoot of the Terrace language. And so that's this hint that the Lord Ruler oh. is not this guy, because mm. why would he take over the world and make everyone speak a language that was not his original language? It doesn't like, make it doesn't sense. Make, yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Anyway, I don't I don't know why that randomly popped into my head the other day when I was reading something, but I was like, I got to bring this up on the show at some point. So there it is. Yeah, I feel like somebody really should have figured that out sooner than, why do we speak this language of this group of people that the Lord Ruler, like, despises? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and I mean, he... What Say says in the chapter is like the Lord Ruler's unity movement of the second or third century or something made everyone speak the same language. So it's been a long time that they've been speaking this language. Probably most people don't notice at this point. Plus, is is, does Clenium as a a city or as a culture or as a language even exist anymore? Did they all get wiped out? We definitely have not heard anything about them, but I think, I, I don't know. We know that they wore that they like wore suits and stuff like the noblemen in the current Final Empire do. So there may be like an implication there that their culture somehow uh, still exists in some way. But that, that's Rashak being being that dude's like I hate these people, but goddamn, I love the way they dress. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. We did it did talk about that. I'd sort of had in my head that the like Clenium, but what we know is Luthadel was Clenium. Mm. Because that was, if he wanted to sort of get back at the people that he hated, that seems like a pretty good way to do it. I don't know. I just had that in my head. I don't know if we read it or if I just thought about it or or not. But I think we may have talked about that possibility before. And I almost said that just now. Like, I think there's an implication that maybe Luthadel is like Clinium. But I don't know that that's actually an implication of the book so much as something that we may have discussed as a possibility. Okay. Right. But, yeah. So... We don't know. We don't know. I mean, there are apparently lots of cultures in the old uh, before the final empire, because like we even read one of the epigraphs not long ago that was like the 16 lands or whatever, or the six, whatever. There there were several lands and there were lots of kings and stuff. So lots of things have vanished in the thousand years and probably nobody remembers except for the keepers at this point. Anyway, totally random side journey here. Let's go back to 42. 42 is a good number. And, uh, Ellen is trying to figure out how to keep his people warm this winter. And basically he wants to knock down this uh, nobleman's neighborhood or at least rip all the wood out of it. And they're like, well, probably they're like those no old nobleman's houses are full of like ska transients at this point. And I was like, well, get them out because nobleman's houses are mostly stone with lots of small rooms that are hard to heat because you need a separate hearth for every room. Scott tenements may be depressing, but they are designed to be heated more easily to keep everyone from freezing to death. So he's like, we need to move them and we need to rip all this wood up and use it for fires to keep everybody warm, which is a good plan. Nobody's using those houses. So, you know, yeah. And we meet Goradel again. I'm sorry. Were you going to. Oh, I was going to make a dumb joke. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, as Bender would say, that's using your ass. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I'm sure you guys remember Gorodel from the last book because it specifically outlines what he did in the last book here. Yes. But he, uh, him and Ellen are old buddies at this point, kind of, sort of. And he's like, yeah, after I left the Lord Ruler's army, I, I joined your army because it seemed like the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, are they really old buddies? Ellen had to take a minute and remember, hey, wait a minute. We did that thing one time. That thing one time, exactly. <laughs> Just, yeah, he, he met him one time, but it made an impression, so. Well, it's not every day someone helps you get into the Lord Ruler's palace so you can assassinate him. Yep, this is true. Although, I guess really they went in to rescue Vin, and then Vin decided to assassinate him. Well, yeah, true. Big day. Big day. <laughs> a lot happened. Yeah. And Damien's like, should we really be ripping down all these buildings? Won't the king have a problem? And Ellen's like, nah. Penrod's not going to care. He's busy trying to get a bill through the assembly to give the city to my father. It's fine. So that's come out. Yeah. So I guess everyone knows now. Maybe Vin did tell him, and we just didn't see it. Or maybe, I mean, if he's putting a bill through the assembly, then it's probably kind of obvious <laughs> what they want. Although Ellen is an assembly like... member. He should be there voting, right? He's missed meetings before, and it cost him the... Like, what are they going to do? Take the crown away again? <laughs> well, I assume he doesn't want the city going to his dad, so maybe he should be throwing his vote in against that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they threw him off the assembly. Could be. His dad's probably going to kill him if he takes over the city, so it's probably something he should try to avoid. Oh, and then we find out a little more about the poison problem that was going on, and uh, we find out from a guy named Felt who I don't know if you might remember from the last book. He did make an appearance. The name rings a bell, but I can't for the life of me think where, where, like, where was it? So Felt is the head spy of the group that Ellen borrowed from his dad to follow Vin. And he's the one who comes back and reports, Hey, the uh... terrorist men went into like this thing and we think it's a ska underground hideout. And so, uh, yeah, he was one of ventures spies, right? And he's still doing some good spy uh, sneak-in sort of work, where he's figuring out how they're poisoning stuff. We found out that there's from him. We find out that there's pass walls that uh, people can pay for passage in and out of the city, which Ellen is completely flabbergasted by. <laughs> so they went into the river, and there are gates under the surface of the river, keeping people from moving in and out through there. But apparently, someone had uh, cut the locks on these gates and was swimming in and out and then replacing them when they left so that it didn't look suspicious. <laughs> yeah, more to your point before, I like, it is very funny. Ellen's just like, you mean they specifically left, or they left the city when I specifically asked them not to? <laughs> <laughs> not everyone is a good person, Ellen. Not everyone does what they say they will do, or does what they're told. Oh, they don't listen to the king. What a shock. Like he tells Felt, no, no, don't uh, just replace the locks with new ones so that they'll be basically stuck when they get down there. And Ellen is like, man, this guy's good. I should probably get him to work finding that Condra spy later, assuming that Felt was not the spy himself. Wouldn't that be interesting if they just introduced uh, like 66% of the way through the book, this completely new character? Well, not completely new because he did appear in the last book, but like a guy we haven't seen except once in two whole books. And they're like, it's this guy after all. He's the Condra. That would be a bit disappointing. Yeah, no, it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cue, cue Kevin Sorbo on that one. Turns Sorbo. out the dog was the mastermind. Why Kevin Sorbo? Disappointed! <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Come on, you're better than that, Data. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking of Hercules. Yeah, that is what that's from. It's like an outtake from Hercules. Okay. <laughs> Apparently I'm completely blanking on this thing. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. Disappointed, Hercules, Kevin Sorbo. Okay. It's a thing. 
I used to watch that show and Xena a lot. Those those were good times. Those were filmed in like New Zealand or something, I think, weren't they? They were. The, well, Lucy Lawless is a New Zealand. Yeah, she's from New Zealand. Mm, yeah. And I think I think she was like an extra on like the first or second episode of Hercules, and they, she was like so good that they they were like, oh, let's make a show with this lady. She was like she was, a I think she was just like. Yeah, she was like a one-off bad guy, and then like everyone responded so positively to her that they just extended her role in the show and then gave her her own show. Hmm. Well, good for her. Now you got me looking at Lucy Lawless's credits. <laughs> She's also in Parks and Rec, which is a great show. She was in Ag- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Was she in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I didn't remember that. Yeah, she was in like the first and second season, I think. As I've said before, Lucy Lawless, if you listen to the podcast, <laughs> please uh, call me. I would love to talk to you. She, I, <laughs> I remember her. She was really good in Battlestar Galactica, too. I remember that because that's a good show. She's in Ash versus the Evil Dead, which I've never watched any episodes of, and I kind of kept meaning to. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Completely. Oh, look, she's in the upcoming movie Minions: The Rise of Gru as a character named Nunchuck. Uh, okay. They're doing. They're doing another one. It says it's completed. Uh, I mean, it actually, can only be good, so. right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. No way it can be bad. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Back to the back to the book. Um. Demu says that he thinks he has a different idea of how poisonings are happening, and we meet a member of his congregation who says that he has seen an Inquisitor in town. We've been talking for a long time, like, what happened to all the Inquisitors? Where they be? And It's, it's got to be Marsh, right? That's Marsh. Maybe. But why would he be hiding in town? Yeah, he's probably not hiding, especially if these people saw him. Well, I don't mean <laughs> hiding. I don't mean hiding as in, like, in a hole. I mean, why would he be not talking to our friends that he knows i what i don't know do you remember the chapters we read with him before he, there's something fucked up with him his brain's like that's true he was acting weird you're not yeah the, 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 he's gonna, clear, he's gonna he just walked away from says there's clearly something going on no he's gonna kick in the door to says room it's like says you left me and says <laughs> no you left me and marshall's like mm-hmm. i went to find breakfast dude <laughs> <laughs> I went to the bathroom. It took a while. Jeez. I don't have you to know, try like, squat a... on a toilet yeah. with all these spikes in me. <laughs> yeah. You, tr- you try finding a nice place to take a crap when all you can see is metal lines. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we, we don't get any information. For a toilet. I fell off a cliff. That'd be, that'd be a, a bad toilet search uh, if you fell off a cliff. <laughs> we, we don't get any information except that this guy says he saw an Inquisitor. And everyone's like, okay, so maybe that's a thing. We got more pressing issues. And then Ham saunters in. I just like, it says Ham saunter in. He, he saw Ham saunter in. And I'm like, what a weird uh, verb to use there, but okay. I like that word. It's a good word. Yeah, I know, but it's just like, I I, I, I now have this impression of Ham, like, doing this walk. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's like, his arms are going a little, like, back and forth a little too much, you know? He's just like, hey, guys, You're, you're picturing me. Bender, Ham. right? Yeah. He's like, he's like, what? Uh, yeah, I guess. He's like whistling was, was at the same say, time. Why, why, why can we hear staying alive by the Bee Gees playing? <laughs> you can't tell me the way I use my mind. Oh, man. Ham's a woman's man. You know, that, that's got to be true, right? We've never he's, met his wife yet, so. I was about to say he's married, so hopefully he's not a ladies' man. <laughs> yeah, more so than Breeze. He got a girl. Of course, yeah. I guess Breeze kind of did too, but. I guess the point not through this... any fault of his own. The point of this podcast is I'm down with monogamy. <laughs> and incest. Those are Joe's no. favorite things. No. <laughs> I mean, I guess if the incest is monogamous, maybe we could talk about it. But... 
Anyway, Ham is not a fan of uniforms. And he's like, oh, you're back in uniform, huh, Ellen? And he's like, that's too bad. Nobody should have to wear a uniform. And I love this this turnaround Ellen does. He's like, you know, Ham, really, you always wear vests. That's kind of like wearing a uniform. And he's like, wait, what? No way. (laughs) (laughs) Ham's really, what he he does, he goes, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Like, Ham is perfectly fine considering these things. But also, it's just like that's that's shaken his world more than anything else that has happened in these books. It's like, <laughs> wait, am I? Oh my god, am I part of the crowd? And this is where Elland makes a connection because they start talking about what what if Set's army attacks? What is Set even going to do if like Straff attacks? Because he's inside the city with us at this point. And Ellen's like, wait a second, that's why he's here. He intentionally left himself without options. Because if Straff attacks now, then Set's armies will basically have to fight on our side. Because he's tied himself in with us at this point. And Ham's like, well, that's desperate. And he's like, yeah, it is desperate. He's desperate for some reason. Hmm. He's basically created an alliance against Straff, whether or not they want the alliance. Which, I don't know. Hey, that's I'm a... totally on your side. We didn't ask you. Well, you <laughs> got me anyway. <laughs> I don't know if Ellen's making too big a logical leap here. What do you guys think? Like, is, is 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 that what Set is up to here? I mean, I don't think it's too big of a logical leap, especially from what we know of Set's behavior kind of moving from place to place. He, he's almost got like, an, like a Napoleon vibe. It's like he's conquering all these places, but he's not really able to keep them once he's out of those places. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where he's desperate to grab at the most power he can get. And so for whatever reason, I guess his desperation has led him here to the seat of power during Lord Ruler's time. Cause he thinks, well, if I can get the central dominance, if I can get that, then I, I can hold that. And then that'll make me the best and me the strongest. And I really don't think he thought his, his, unless he's some mastermind that hasn't been exposed yet. I really don't think he thought his plan out um, very <laughs> well, but again, that just plays into my feelings about set. I don't like set. I don't think he's very good at what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, I don't think that that leap is too much to, to ask for because set strikes me as the kind of guy who's going to hide behind the biggest bully in the playground. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now I, th- I, th- I think like with his mad dash to get here, like conquering stuff and then just immediately running, like moving on from them and getting to Luthadel saying, I'm here for the Adium. I need the Adium. I'm like, are you running from something? Is there something coming behind you that you're just like trying to Mm-mm. get in behind other people? Like, and I was like, it could be more Kolos, it could be the Mist, uh, it could be the Inquisitors. We don't know, but it's like once once Ellen said that, I was like, ah, he's using you guys as a shield. He's ru- he's running away from something. He's just like he conquered things purely to conquered places purely to get them out of his way, so he could keep running to where he thinks the Adium is because he thinks that'll save him. Hmm. So. We thought that he was being very straightforward earlier, at least Ellen did, about everything he said. But maybe Seth's got some uh, wheels within wheels going on. Yeah, and I mean, again, uh, do you really trust the guy that's like, I'm up front. I'm telling you, I'm putting it on front street. This is what I want. Do you trust that guy? (laughs) Because, I mean, he's telling you. He's making a big deal out of telling you that I'm. this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, really, you know, there's always another secret, right? Mm. Well, he, he did he did say in that meeting he's like no no i'm not honest i'm just blunt yeah so said. that was probably the most honest thing he said 
but this particular little scene ends with Ellen being like, hey, Ham, got a question. How insane are you feeling at the moment? <laughs> oh, no. Because, yeah, this uh, his plan is a little bit insane. Which, now that yeah. I think about it, you guys, especially Joe, when Set showed up in the city, was like, this is stupid. Why would he do this? And so <laughs> maybe now we have an idea of why Set would do something that stupid. But uh, Ellen does something yeah. probably even more stupid than that. <laughs> I really, I was really hoping that it was, you know, I know it wasn't because that's not the tone of the book. But when he asked Ham if he was, how insane was he feeling? I'm like, it'd be awesome if the next scene they were just like sledding down a mountain, like, ah, yeah. <laughs> you want to go penguin sledding <laughs> with me, Ham? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ham was like, how does this help the people? And Ellen said, it makes me feel good. <laughs> it doesn't help anyone but me. <laughs> It says Ham easily found them a suitable paywall to get out of the city. And it's like this little old lady running this wall, this uh, like secret passage or something that lets you out of the city. I'm not even sure how this works, honestly. I got a serious witch from Hansel and Gretel vibe off of this lady. Well, Ham seems to like her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just, which is weird. It's like, yes, yes. Yeah. Give, give, give me money. I'll let you through the wall. I'm just like, this seems like a trap. There's going to be an oven on the <laughs> other side of that wall. <laughs> Ham even said that she gave him sweets when he was a kid. Yep. yep. <laughs> that is very, yeah, you're right. That's very Hansel and Gretel, which, yeah, okay. Uh, but, uh, like, she, how's, how's this lady making making money? Well, she takes money off people trying to get out of the city, and then she sells their body to the butchers. <laughs> it's, We've got some Sweeney Todd shit going Sweeney on. Sweeney Todd, yep, that's what that sounds like. Just sit in this chair, and I'll get you out of the city. It's all good. But she thinks that they're trying to run. And he's like, no, no, no. I want you to leave someone here to watch for us to come back. I just I have some business uh, with one of the armies. She's like, well, none of Granny's business. For three clips, I can find a grandson to sit out here for a few hours. Lord Ruler knows I have enough of them. Uh, I like her. She's fun. <laughs> and Ham says that, yeah, when he was a kid, like she used to give them sweets, but it was just a really cheap way of getting some quiet yet well-targeted publicity for her past wall. <laughs> and Ellen's like, oh, man, you grew up in Luthadel? And he was like, well, yeah, duh. On the streets like Vin? Not like Vin. I don't think anyone grew up like Vin. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody grew up like Vin. I mean, man. Yeah, Vin had a very special experience. And uh, uh, Ham's kind of worried that Ellen might want to shut the place down. And Ellen's like, I don't know. Why? I'm not king anymore. What do I care? And he, As they go, he's thinking, my old nobleman friends would have tried to talk me out of this. Why did I surround myself with people who had been loyal to the survivor? It's like they expect their leader to take irrational risks. <laughs> uh, yeah, his. I was about to say, I don't know that this crew is an upgrade from his old friends, but after we see Jasties in this chapter, he definitely uh, went with the right group because yeah. that, that, that guy went like uh, really lost it. Uh, if if I don't come back, tell Vin what happened. <laughs> And Ham says, sure, I'll tell her. Then I'll proceed to remove her daggers from my chest. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vin would not be happy. Vin would be pissed. <laughs> but apparently, uh, Ellen just like, he saw Kolos once before when his dad made him go out and see some that lived or were stationed near their home city of U-R-T-E-A-U. I don't know how you pronounce that. Well, it's like, I thought Erto, because it's the same spelling as the end of Plateau. Yeah, no, that makes sense. For some reason, in my head, it's Eurotria, which is not at all how it's spelled, so I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, he rides his horse out to see the Coloss, 
because that's what you do. And he uh, he comes up to some of them and he's like, take me to Jasty's. And they're like, hmm. they tell him to get off his horse. And he's like, take me to Jasty's. And the Colossus is like, OK. The book said the creature would either do as commanded or simply attack. So I guess he got lucky. If that was a coin toss, uh, it came up heads for him. He's he's good. <laughs> it's a pretty big chance. Imagine if he's ridden out there and they went, I don't like you. <laughs> Gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> this was poor choice. Vin, save save me, Jeebus. But then he has a, a very strange conversation with the Coloss, who are now wearing uh, random bits of clothing that is, are clearly not their size. So most of them have uh, like are, have them wrapped like bandanas, like pants or shirts just wrapped around their arms or heads like bandanas. And the Coloss says, we are not Coloss. You think we are Coloss. We are humans. We will live in your city. We will kill you and we will take it. So that's nice. We is people now. <laughs> it's a bit scary. Yeah. <laughs> I get a real cavity creep vibe off these guys. We <laughs> make holes in teeth. We make holes in teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the Coloss start fighting. Like one of the little ones jumps the big one, the leader, and kills him. And it's just like he was never a good leader. That's his excuse. But just out of fucking nowhere. It's not like yep. he said something and the guy said, you're a terrible leader. Ah, it's just like, just turn to him. It's like, actually, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> yep. Random murder. That's, I would not want to be hanging out in this camp. I'm just saying, uh, I don't know that Jastis <laughs> has made a good choice here. And he, he gets off his horse and throws the reins to one of the humans that's uh, stuck in the, in the middle of the camp. And he's like, take care of this. And he tells the guy that you can announce me, but you got to get to the tent before me because I'm not slowing down for your uh, your ass. Just uh, I'm important. You're not. So and Jastis lets him in and we find out that he's uh, I don't remember if it came up when Sazed was there, but Jastis has been drinking a lot and the hard stuff, too. Ellen's like, uh, that is not dinner wine. That is something very clear. <laughs> and uh, he's. Ellen accuses him of being a tyrant, and Jasty says that he's not a tyrant. Your father is a tyrant. I am just a realist. And Ellen's like, really? The middle of the Coloss army is a realistic position? All right. And apparently, he tried to institute Ellen, to, like the ideas that they'd had and discussed, he tried to put them into action in the Southern Dominance, and it did not work out for him like it did for Ellen. Probably because Ellen has a Mistborn, and uh, Jasty's probably did not. But Jasty's they... just doesn't make king making speeches like Ellen did. Well, yeah, there might be that, too. He didn't he didn't speechify the right way. I trusted my allies rather than crushing them into submission. And do you know what they did? They killed everyone because that's what you do when you take over. You kill your rivals and their families, even the young girls, even the babies. And then you leave their bodies as a warning. That's good politics. That's how you stay in power. Ugh, OK, so that's the guy that you want uh, taking charge of your city with his army of Coloss, right? Yes, it makes for a staple king. <laughs> poor guy and then Jastis is like haha I will take you prisoner send to the city and tell them we want to negotiate and Nolan's like dude I'm not king do you think I would let you capture me if I was the king <laughs> and Jastis is like that fancy suit and haircut didn't save you huh and Ellen is trying to convince him this is bad you need to leave these Coloss are going to destroy everything just like they did that city that you came through that you're like oh that was uh, uh, an accident that the Coloss destroyed that city. What happened, Jastis? Did they decide they needed a king? They decide that's what that's the way humans did it, so they should too? What's in those pouches? Tell me! Getting very Batman, sorry. 
<laughs> so I guess we don't necessarily, I mean, all we get at the end of this chapter is when Ellen gets his hand on the pouches, he says, ah, he's paying them. So what do you guys think? Was it, is it full of money? Uh, I thought it was might be full of adium, but then I thought, where would he get that much adium? So I guess it has to be money. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was saying, it's like, is it adium? And that's why he's desperate to get his hands on it. But again, who knows? Is he desperate to get his hands on it or just desperate to make sure that Straff doesn't? Yeah, point. That's Yeah, that's fair. Because I think that's what he says, is I can't let Straff get that adium. What does he know? Hmm. What does he know that we don't know? Right. And also, what sort of monetary value would the Coloss see in, you know, a pouch full of coins? Yeah, I mean, maybe they like to eat them, but I don't know. We don't have <laughs> I, any idea I, I, what they value. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, they kind of point to it a couple of times in this chapter. It's like these particular Coloss want to be human. Yep. They're mm-hmm. saying we're going to be we are we're not Coloss. We're human. We're going to take your city. They started dressing like humans. And they want to take the city and live in it as humans. And so maybe Jastis has basically taught them to be human. You also have to value gold. And it's like these are the like this is what you trade with if you're a human. You use gold, um, mm-hmm. you use copper, you use whatever. And uh, so he's basically saying if you want to be human, you got to have coins. Whoever has the most coins is the best human. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. I think it will be revealed in uh, this, uh, exactly what was in the pouches in the next set of chapters that we read. So it's not really a huge cliffhanger, but uh, there, there's, uh, there's something else that you guys had touched on Spoiler, pre- man. in a previous episode that is relevant to this discussion. So I'll leave that. Mm. Um, so Ellen pulls out a knife that Vin had given him, an obsidian knife, and grabs Jastis and rams the knife into his shoulder. And he's like, if killing you would do anything useful, I would do it. But I don't know how to control these things. So listen. (laughs) This is the point where Ellen ran out of fucks to give. Yep. As a friend, I'll give you a bit of counsel. Think about that wound in your arm for a little while. I was your best friend and I nearly killed you. What the hell are you doing sitting in the middle of an entire army of deranged Coloss? Yeah, that's. uh... And then Ellen's like, I'm leaving. Bye. And goes out and crosses the kind of unofficial line from the human camp into the Coloss camp and the humans will not follow him. So that is how stable this relationship is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yep. sign. And I think he also makes mention early in the chapter that says said there were more guards before. So yep. we can uh, just imagine yeah. what might have happened to those other men. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. Or ran away. I, I wouldn't want to be one of Jasty's guards here. Like, quite honestly, <laughs> I'm not risking my life for a crazy drunk king guy in this army of Coloss. Yeah. But Ellen is kind of pissed off because he found nothing productive in this trip. He's like, if only I could find out what was in those pouches. And that's where he gets the idea. And he thinks before he does it, this is stupid. (laughs) And yet that does not stop him. Uh, And I think it's said that, like, yeah, the the Coloss, the small ones are like five feet. So it's not like it's huge. Five feet is shorter than probably any of us here on this call. So it's not like they're giant. But... They're really strong still and scary, and there's a whole army of them, which makes attacking one of them in the middle of a group of them just insanity. And yet, it works out for him. The Coloss is momentarily distracted because he thinks another Coloss is attacking him instead of Ellen, and it takes him a bit to figure it out. And he manages to take him down. 
partially because the Koloss apparently use these giant swords that I imagine are difficult to kind of like swing quickly and close to you. But he manages to get his knife into the Koloss's eye and wins the fight. And that's when he gets up and turns to the rest of them. And he's like, he ate my horse. And the group of Koloss nod. Well, they like, seem to accept yeah, his bro. justification. Yep. So it's like, ah, okay, look, that you had a valid reason for that. We'll accept that. And we we're didn't human, mention, so that makes sense. Right, yeah. We didn't mention that when he came back out, his horse was gone. But, uh, yeah, somebody probably ate it. It's fine. Maybe it was that guy. For all we know, that guy did eat his horse. So he was 100% justified. And he takes the bag off of him. Not the sword, because it's so big that he doesn't even think he could really carry it. And he looks inside, and that's when he comes up. He's like, yep, shouldn't have be surprised. Jastis is controlling his army the old-fashioned way. He's paying them. Just of- occurred to me, actually, um, yep. how the, the Koloss just accept what he, do- what he does. They're probably all really happy, because they're just like, we, we, we are humans. The human has done what we do. We really yep. are humans, because the human did it too. <laughs> we were right all along. <laughs> This is how humans behave. We're doing so well, guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to go back and tell all their friends. <laughs> humans value their horses. We must get some of these. These things, uh, I guess they're sort of small, like, but we don't know how heavy they are, because I'm just imagining what, like one of the bigger ones trying to sit on a horse, and the horse is like, oh, God, no. Yeah, I think the, bigger, like, the biggest ones get to like 10 or 12 feet, I think it said. So that might be a little big for the horse, but uh, the little five-foot one, he could probably do it. Yeah. So that is the end of these two chapters. Uh, the second one especially was uh, a very long kind of meaty chapter, which is why we only did two this time. But any final thoughts on these two? I hope the, the this pattern that we've seen in these chapters where things are picking up, you know, Ellen's kicking into action. I hope we're beginning the descent into uh, somewhat into the Sander Lanch so that we can get get going. I'm excited. Yeah, we are definitely getting into that realm. I think by the end of next week's uh, set of chapters that we will, if not uh, if not have actually started into Sanderlanch, I think we will be approaching it pretty nearly. What percentage are we on now? Um, that is a good question. We are at about 68%. Okay. In the final third. Yep. Okay. I guess let us get into predigments. I will nominate Jamie to go first, since no one wants to go. That's good. I was just about to go. I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) So we're all thinking along the same lines. So I'd sort of had a thought about the Colos that no one was really sure how they'd come into existence. Like, no one was really sure how they breed. And I I had this thought of, like, oh, if the Lord Ruler created these things like we were sort of thinking about, I think it was last week or the week before, what if they were people originally and so or or you can create them out of people as well so it's not necessarily that they're breeding but maybe they're taking like it's like they're an infection or something and they take over and just become this monster and they're like they've raided the village but now they're like oh yeah well there's clothes we wear clothes because we are people Mm. and for them that money's already a value you know maybe that's something i could be way off the mark there too but I was like, that's a bit terrifying. That would explain why they've got so many numbers. and yeah. Inquisitors are made out of people, so maybe I that know. fits. I mean, we know that Conjure are not. Yeah. But Inquisitors are, so maybe. Yeah. Hmm. So possibly another, maybe another experiment gone wrong. That was my first thought. Okay. Your thoughts as well about the, whatever they're paying them with, 
going back to the discussion that we had about the counterfeit coins as well, I think at one point we threw out that they were maybe made of adium, but I don't know whether that's true or not. But if they're if if the colos are being paid perhaps in these counterfeit coins or slightly different coins, and they're making their way to Luthadel as well, so they're obviously trading or something with them. They they are buying things or or doing something with them. I don't know. That's maybe a bit far fetched too, but. Mm. That was another thought, and I already said in the, I think in the very first part of the episode, uh, just that Elland will get his crown back. I still think that that's, that will definitely happen for him at some point. Okay. Are we thinking yeah. like this book some point, or maybe like into the next one? Um, uh, look, probably not this book. Okay. I think it's probably more likely that when, or if if we go to the well, um that he would sort of come with Vin, especially while he's not king, and maybe he has to do something there, you know, and he'd come back and, and be king. Yeah, maybe maybe in the next book. Okay, fair enough. That's all I've got. Okay. Uh, Joe, what do you got? I don't know. I feel like just going on another rant of fake predictions like I did that one time. <laughs> I, I, I really, I'm not sure. You know, at this point, there's so many directions that we could go in. Yep. So I think what I'm going to say is I think I hope these next chapters, like for the immediate future, they focus uh, more on Vin getting involved with uh, <clears throat> with uh, what maybe what Sazed and Tinwell are doing or even kind of reconnecting with Alan, because I feel like that has to come to a head soon. I, I don't feel like this weird Zane Ellen triangle can go on into like another book. Or if it does, I'm just going to be like, really? We're still doing this? Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I would hope that soon that portion of it at least is going to be over. Yeah, it's interesting because now that we've gotten into the back third of this book, it's like this is where we hit that point where we're talking now about is whatever this story is, is it going to wrap up in the remaining third or is it going right. to carry over into the next one? Yeah, because, I mean, we could we could potentially say, hey, that first book. It, it it almost stood alone. I, I still see some kind of issues with it standing alone by itself. Mm. But you could almost say that stood alone. But but if he's made a second book, my, my assumption is he was already planning the third and 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 possibly oh, yeah. had a lot of it written. So it's very possible that this book could have a satisfying ending. Yet there's a lot of room for more story that you know is going to be told in the next one. So mm. okay, fair enough. Dak. Um, yeah, like I'm also a bit confused about where things are going at this point. Not in a bad way, but I'm just like, there's a lot going on now that we've opened up these. Ellen's doing restorations uh, around town. The whole angle that uh, Tindwell and Says are discussing of, you know, what's what's the real deal behind Quan, Elendi, and Rashek? Like, what have mm-hmm. we not figured out there? So the big prediction I have that's spun out of that is. I mean, you said earlier the only people who know what went on up there are Rashek and Lendi, and now they're both dead. And I got to my think, I got to thinking, are they though? I mean, Rashek, mm. I think he is, but now I'm getting, I'm wondering, it's like, are they going to get up there and find that Lendi managed to get some sliver of the power and that has kept him alive all these years, or is he going to be like, like something that forms in the mist, or is like, I get the feeling Elendi, we haven't seen the last of Lendi now. Okay. Um, I think. For whatever reason, maybe he's trapped in the well and it sustained him, or he's going to be a mist ghost or something. But when they finally get to the well, they're going to find him. 
and he he can just Obi One for um, Vin for a bit. Hmm. I don't know. Like this, the, maybe that's really far fetched. But I'm just like the more I think about it, I'm just like we yeah. How can we possibly get the answers when the people who were there are dead? And I just think well, we like I said, we still don't know what happened at the well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So we don't know what happened to Elendi, what happened to his body, where, like what his final fate was, if it's even come yet. Yeah. I mean, Rashak definitely seemed dead at the end of the last book, but we're right. We don't know anything about Elendi. For all we know, he, like they could get up to the Well of Ascension, to the cave or whatever's up there, and there's like a, an Elendi ice cube standing right next to it, like Aang frozen in uh, an iceberg. Like, I was going to go for Han, Han Solo into Carbonite, but yep, yeah. There you go, see. Uh, yeah, I don't think he has the Avatar state to get out of that, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he got some of the power from the well, that could be Avatar state. Uh, I yeah. guess. Even that um, has its limits. <laughs> but yeah, so I think, yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Um, any other predictions I have is, like, I, I agree with Joe. I think the Inquisitor is Marsh, um, okay. and he's he didn't find what he was after in the conventicle, He's, but he's found some clue somewhere, and it's led him back to Luthadel, and then I think he's going to like come to the guys, and it's like, I need your help with something. And, yeah, they'll have to go, like, look, you know, you keep, like, they'll say, well, you came to Sazed and just, like, fucking ditched him, uh, <laughs> and now you want our help again. You need to start giving back and tell us what you're actually doing and what you're looking for. Right. Because that's, that's a two-way street. You can't just keep asking for this shit without giving back. The only other prediction I had is, like, Elend will become king again, but not of Luthadel. He will become king of the Kolos. <laughs> now that he knows how to pay them, he'll he'll up the ante and pay them well, more. No, not, oh, not, yeah, about paying, not about paying them. He speaks their language of kill them. Mm, They've yeah, seen that, we... and they, they respect that. And they'll just go, this guy, this guy understands us. We will make him our king. Would yeah, Elend maintain like a... that, though? Well, that's it. He that's might not true. want to, but he'll just have this army of Kolos following him around, just going, king, king. And he's like, will you fuck off already? <laughs> you know, He's, Ben would probably be happy to uh, <laughs> kill a few every once in a while if it helped. Yeah. He's instead of the white coat, he'll have like tribal gear on. Like he'll start wearing like skulls and shit. You know. <laughs> he'll sit on a throne of like bodies and be like, "Yes, do my bidding, Kolos." Yeah, I get the feeling. It's like I don't want to be your king, and everyone's like, "Dude, you can control them better than Jastis could. Can you please do this so we don't all fucking die?" And he's like, "But I don't want to do this. Like, just do it, or we die." And he's like, he just sighs. How he's like, "Okay, king of the Kolos. That would be, that would be a thing. I don't know if it would be a good thing or a bad thing. It would be a thing." Okay. Yeah, king of the Kolos. That sounds like a great uh, heavy metal song. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll just like uh, exp- we'll just exploit this. Just get your entire, you know, your Kolos people to follow you, run off a cliff. Vin will catch you, and they will all fall to their deaths. <laughs> Problem solved. It reminds me of uh, what's the oh, what's that movie uh, with the uh, with uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, and Will Ferrell when they have the discussion about him being king? So it's like, are, are are you king of anything? <laughs> He's like, like Don't what? Know. I don't know. King of King of the Lanes, the local bowling alley. King of the Trolls. It's the King of the Trolls. Yeah, a clandestine land found underneath the floorboards. <laughs> is it uh, Stranger, Stranger than, than Fiction? Fiction? Yeah, that's what it is. I like that movie. I always got told to watch that, and I always really wanted to, but I never have. I recommend it. Yeah, it's fun. The, it's okay. I don't really like Maggie Gyllenhaal as the main woman lead, uh, but uh, my my wife really hates. Um, uh, Will Ferrell generally, but she even she liked that one. Anywho, <laughs> moving on, we have 
one email this week, but it's just a quick email from Jason because we had talked about doing some sort of discussion thing. And I, I suggested like a Facebook group where people could discuss stuff, uh, spoilery type stuff. And Jason says, uh, wait, 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 who's Jason? It's this new person who's emailing us. We've never heard from. (laughs) Okay. All right. Got it. I think that some sort of fan spoiler chat would be good, but I think discord would be a better option. And then you could have channels for non-spoiler talk and other things. So that's not a bad idea. I don't I don't really use Discord a lot, but I kind of like that idea. So I'm going to look into that. Thank you, Jason, for your first ever email. We appreciate it. Oh, and on the topic of that, I just want to remind everyone that we are filming these episodes uh, in particular way before they come out. The last two, this one and the next one, will all be done before even the first one comes out. So please do send us emails, uh, thesanderlanch at gmail.com, or hit us on Twitter at thesanderlanch. Or Instagram, which I think I forgot to make an Instagram post this week. That's my bad. Uh, now that I'm talking about it. Or Facebook. We are all sorts of places. But, uh, yeah, if you send something, it will be a while before you hear it. Because this is the third episode yeah. that we've recorded of this set of four. So, right. Uh, Don't stop emailing. You you know us. We'll we'll talk about your email if, if it's uh, something. Joe will make uh, fun of you. Yeah, I'll make fun of you. I'll be there making <laughs> fun of you. You'll be there making fun of me. It's, it's what we do. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, well, please do keep emailing us. It'll just be like, you know, December before your emails actually get read on the air, possibly. So, uh, so yeah, actually, it won't be as long after you hear this one, probably. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and for next time, we are reading chapters 43, 44, and 45. We are back to three chapters for the next one. And we are... In the home stretch here, we have one, two, three, four, five, six more episodes to go in this book. So wow. we're, we're, we're getting towards the end. It's a very exciting time to be alive for uh, <laughs> okay. a listener. <laughs> well, I mean, he did say we're filming these these episodes. I'm just like, we're not filming a thing. <laughs> Wait, you're not filming? Yeah. You, you don't have your webcam on? This is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I think Data just really wants to be on TV. I don't know that I do. No, I'd, I'd have to like comb my hair and stuff. Who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, during COVID. I mean, come I, on. I, I was on TV, you know, in high school a few times, and I got I had enough of it. It's fine. Yeah, been there. <laughs> anyway, so thank you everybody for listening. Like I said, three chapters for next time. Read along with us. I know I I, I kept saying that. Uh, as we've you know done the show and i'm like i really kind of doubt anyone is reading along with us but then angela was like hey i'm reading along with you so i couldn't listen to the episodes until i had time to read i was like oh that's cool someone's like reading along and listening to discussions with us i hope more people are doing that that's super fun yeah that's awesome and if i mean we we don't we don't always plug our own show on here but i will say like if you have a friend that you want to get into uh you know mistborn like my brother wanted me to get into it and that's what we're doing the podcast you know tell him tell him to check us out uh it can't hurt yeah Tell, yep. tell, tell, tell your friends, tell your neighbor, tell uh, their dog. It'll be great. I told uh, the Just kids know. Because a dog talks in the story doesn't mean real dogs do that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The, the kids know that I record, like, you know, generally once a week for this podcast. And so at one point they're like, what's your podcast called? And I told them. And then the next day they're like, hey, I, like, followed your podcast on my iPad. And I was like, well, you haven't read these books and I will, you aren't gonna i don't know for for the eight-year-old especially i'm like i think that maybe mistborn's a little bit adult for you with the uh yeah the the, the talk of raping ska women and such but uh oh yeah 
Oh, yeah. I that. mean, hey, man, I read Jurassic Park when I was, like, nine, and that has, like, raptors ripping yep. out people's intestines, so. That's true. Well, And then, like, a few days later, they came home from school, and they're like, hey, we told our friends, and now they're following your podcast. <laughs> so, uh, any any children <laughs> who are listening, who know those Oh, God, do I need to clean up my thanks. language? Because I'm very bad at that. <laughs> well, you're an Australian. Nah, that's fine. It's expected. I, what, I, I, what does that mean? No, are you are you kidding? <laughs> you gotta. I, I've heard so many stories about people who go to Australia and they're just like, yeah, everyone's just like swearing constantly and like. <laughs> well, like um years years ago, like a bunch of my friends went to a friend, like uh, a bunch of us traveled to Canada for a friend's wedding. Uh, it was a, a town called like a town Regina in Canada. Apparently, the yep. like with, with all the wedding guests, the town population like doubled overnight or something. <laughs> So all the all the guys are at the pub and you know they were they were just you know talking bantering as they do and one one of them would just get up and just go oi dickhead you want another drink and they just go yeah thanks fuckwit and you know this, that that was just typical banter between the like, mid twenties Australian men and like the, and the Canadian people were just like are you guys actually friends <laughs> <laughs> they're so polite they're just like hey can I get you a drink sorry that I didn't ask before <laughs> I heard. I heard one thing from like I think it was Barb from like Rooster Teeth when they went for a convention in Australia and they were like they'd been hanging out with like fans local fans and so they were just kind of in this like mode of speaking with because you know Rooster Teeth fans skew very young like teenagers and maybe young twenties for the most part so they're hanging out yeah. with these fans and they get into this just mode of talking then they go to the convention and right before she goes on stage somebody's like hey you know this is it's a family convention so if you could watch the language whatever and she immediately just gets up she's like oh you bad words that i won't say because she was just like in this mode of uh, in this like mindset oh, and it immediately realizes what she's done and is horribly embarrassed but it was too late then oh good times yeah it's too late anyway i did we've gone vamping because uh, this is going to be a shorter than usual episode. I mean, we only did two chapters and I think maybe the the thing is that these chapters themselves are, while there's a lot of stuff in them, like the whole discussion between Sace and Tinwill, it kind of boils down easily. When I went past it, I was like, this discussion boils down to this. What do you think? So we didn't dwell as long as we otherwise might have. It's fine. You know, sometimes you get a shorter show. Well, I, I like mean, the shorter episodes because I, like, I, right. I, I edit them. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, like Mandalorian. Do we, do we use your episodes for like forty-five minutes? <laughs> Mandalorian was the third episode is the shortest one so far, but I liked don't, it a don't, lot. Don't don't spoil yep. it. I don't. I haven't watched it yet. It All I said today. was that I liked it a lot. Calm down. <laughs> well, they're talking about it in like that Facebook chat that we're both in, and I'm just like, shut up. Shut oh up, shut yeah, up, I just I honestly I don't go in there anymore because I know they're just gonna talk about stuff. So originally, my plan for this show was that we would try to have episodes that went to write about an hour. An hour is where I thought would be a good time. And then it very quickly, before we got like a third of the way through the first book, it became clear that with the amount we were reading and how closely we were looking at it, an hour and 30 minutes was much more realistic a time frame to try to cut <laughs> these down to. So that's how when I'm when I'm editing, I try to maintain it at around an hour and a half. If we get past that, then I'll look for stuff that's like, well, here's like a 10 minute discussion that's mainly me talking and other people aren't contributing that much. And it doesn't come back. It doesn't isn't relevant to the overall episode. So I'll cut out yeah. like that. But if there's not something like that, 
then that's mm-hmm. when the episode ends up being an hour and 45 minutes or something because I'm like, nope, yeah. this is all gold. I don't want to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and as a listener, I don't know about the listeners of our show, but as a listener podcast myself, I if, if it's a podcast that I really like, when I see a two-hour or longer episode go up, I'm excited. I'm like, wow, this one must be really good because they went for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. They are. Yeah, that's fair. That's the way I am too. Uh, you make a good point there because, yeah, I'll, I listen to only a couple podcasts that – I like enough to listen to regularly, so I'm always excited when there's like a long episode. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Email, send us emails, send us tweets, like the like, like and uh, I almost said subscribe. I was gonna say retweet and like, but none of that makes that much sense. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're, we're we're very insecure, and uh, I, I don't know I don't know if anyone likes us. So please, yeah, we get likes on the Podbean site a couple every episode, which is nice. Somebody's uh, mm-hmm. liking it enough for that. Anyway. We will see you next week. For Music by uh, Miracle of Sound. Music Sorry. by Miracle of Sound. <laughs> Sorry, I ran over you there. Yeah. Wasing to the time of next, everyone. We try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. All that die, 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 we keep it in our hands. Never let it fade